tuning in to uh, this podcast. Uh, hey, listen, we want to thank you for being with us. Thank you for uh, taking the time to listen or to watch at the same time. And uh, we hope that you are blessed uh, this evening in our podcast. And uh, we're going to be talking about some powerful, powerful uh, uh, things tonight. God bless you, Pastor Kerry. You doing What's all right? What's up, man? Doing good. Doing really good. You good? I have a question for our guest. Uh-oh. Already. Okay. Already. <laughs> Are you rooting? Yeah. Are you rooting for the Rangers or the Astros? Rangers. Yeah. Anybody else you? root? Huh? I'm H Town all the way, baby. Oh. Houston. <laughs> I'm pulling for the Astros, who are winning right now. By the way, I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. If, <laughs> if Pastor Furman yells Hallelujah, I hope it's because of the preaching, man. <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> We're talking about faith over fear. And uh, just to let you know, uh, Blanca is um, a graduate of Texas Tech University with a bachelor's uh, degree in social work with a minor in Spanish. Uh, she worked as a, uh, as a social worker and early intervention specialist at Early Childhood Intervention with LISD. And she is currently uh, a teacher at Greenlawn Church of Christ in their preschool uh, ministry. Uh, so, um, and also her husband is, uh, world champion bronc rider. No, no, just kidding. Just kidding. There he is. There he is. There he is. And I wonder who he's cheering for. I would never guess anyway. Amen. Well, Blanca, good to have you this, uh, evening. All right. <laughs> She's kind of nervous. All She's right? got so, two really cool kids, man. Yeah, really cool Lucas kids. Lucas is my buddy, Well, dude. Lucas is not too cool with me today, man. He <laughs> sent me a joke today and down in my Pittsburgh Steelers, man. So, yeah, I got it on video. I'm going to send him one. I'm going to send him one today. He thinks uh, he's the funniest kid right now. He learned how to tell jokes. So, <laughs> But his laugh is what makes it the funniest thing. It's not really the jokes. They don't make sense. <laughs> Some cool kids. And he might come up. He's part of our, our, our subject here if we, if we get that far. But uh, let's get into this, man. Um, we're talking about faith over fear. I don't know who. Oh, yeah, that's you. Uh, Blanca, you know, I asked you to give me some notes and give me some ideas because th there's some subject matter that you're going to help us teach in the future concerning families and, and, and uh, children and things like that. But in your notes, there's another subject matter that... People that don't know you uh, probably would never guess, especially with some of the accomplishments that you have and seeing your family and, and, and seeing how, how you're serving the Lord and things like that. But in your notes, you said something powerful that I didn't even think about, but Pastor Kerry and I were talking about today and yesterday. You said something about, uh, you said surrendering, and then in parentheses you put on there, wanting control equals fear. Isn't that good? In other words, a person that's always wanting to be in control is not because they got it all together or they got it figured out. Sometimes people that are controlling it's because they're, they're afraid. They have fear. And I, I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you, as a parent, we try to control. And, you know, when they're babies and as they're growing up to a certain point, we're supposed to be that for them. We're supposed to be a guide and a standard and, and protection, things like that. But then you get to a certain age that, and, and you'll find this out, <laughs> with, without having to uh, uh, study up on it, you'll find out firsthand um, that there comes a time where, as parents, uh, 
we can't control anymore. And sometimes parents that are controlling, watch this, parents that are controlling is simply because they have a fear. I don't want them to make the same mistakes I made. I don't want them to go through hardship. I don't want, and you know what? We have to understand that God is in control of their lives as well. And sometimes it can be a form, it can be even be a form of witchcraft when we try to manipulate and control our kids. Especially when they're in their 20s and 30s, and some even 40s and 50s are trying to be controlled. Parents, that's a form of witchcraft, trying to control. You have to get to the point, and it's hard, it's hard. Man, I'm telling you it's hard, I'm telling you firsthand it's hard. But I've learned to just say, God, you're in control, and go on. But tell me, why, why, why did you write that? I think the main reason I wrote that is because when I read the first title, Faith Over Fear, the first thing that always comes to mind is Lucas and his birth and everything we went through. And Trey told, laid it out perfectly for me the other day. He's like, you, throughout your pregnancy, you tried to do the best you could with everything. And we were always watching this and all my knowledge that I had about you know child development and everything. And I was always trying to control the way things were gonna go and how they shouldn't go. And that was my main reason for writing that is because when you try to control everything, you're not acting out in faith. Ooh, that's you're, good. you're putting everything like it's all up to you. And when it comes down to it, you can try to control as much, or I did in my personal experience, mm-hmm try to control as much as I could and we still went through what we went through at his birth you know almost losing him and and that was the main that was my big eye opener Mm -hmm. you know just reminding myself that God is in control no matter what no matter what I tried to do no matter what I tried not to do in the end it was all in God's hands sure uh you said something powerful um when we are always trying to control things we don't act out in faith. We're not walking in faith. Isn't that good? And I'm going to tell you something. Not only as parents, but sometimes as pastors. Sometimes we can kind of get over-controlling. Uh, because now, in my part, and, and, and you can add to this, or, or maybe, I'm just, uh, maybe I'm just a little far out there, Pastor Kerry. But, you know, uh, growing up here, learning ministry, pastor was always big on 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 uh, excellence you know we got to do it right excellence this that whatever we'd go over it and over it and over it until we got it things like that and he would always demand excellence for from us so i grew up making sure that things were were, were, were here were there to the point that it got where i'm was controlling without realizing so there were some things that i didn't start walking by faith in i'll give you an example when i finally realized hey what's wrong with you man <laughs> Uh, we were doing um, we were doing a fun uh, a get together, and we just had to make I don't know maybe three or four dozen hot dogs, and I was in charge of that. But uh, another young man was helping me, and he was making the hot dogs, whatever. Well, it got to the point where I mean I was like looking over his shoulder, man, making hot dogs. But it was important to me because I wanted to make sure they were on point. They were on time. They were cooked. They were ready. They were getting ready to serve. All this stuff, I, you know. And I was just there. The, the kid wanted to help me do this. He was trying to serve, and he's there flipping hot dogs. Like, uh, make sure you get that one. Oh, that one's been a little too long. Finally, he said, Pastor, I got this. Don't worry about this. Let me do this. And then I realized, 
I, I got to chill out, man. This is hot dogs, man. So I started thinking, man, what else am I this possessive or controlling over? There's some things we got to walk by faith, but that was really powerful. Yeah. And I, I truly believe that the, what's so important for the believer, you know, we're talking about control and, and fear, is believer's life is all about surrender. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not about control. It's all about surrendering everything completely over to the Lord, right? That's really what it's about. It's surrendering your thoughts. It's surrendering your life. It's surrendering your family completely over to the Lord, right? My parents had to do that with me when I was a teenager. Mm. You know, when I was acting rebellious and acting like an idiot, my parents just, my mom basically just said, my mom and my dad were like, we're just going to surrender you over to the Lord because we can't control you. We can't fix you. We have to completely give it over to the Lord, right? And that's hard for a parent to do, right? It's completely hard because you want to be able to have a say in every little thing, right? But the reality is, as a believer, our, what our response should be is surrender, right? And I know it sounds easier yeah. said than done, yeah. but the reality, the reality is we do want to control even in ministry as pastors. I mean, look, man, I was a youth pastor for 13 years. Trust me. Yeah. I know what it's like to want to get a, a room full of kids under control, you know, <laughs> but, and, and all that sort of stuff, right? But the reality is even when working with kids, you know, it's all about just surrendering everything over to the Lord. So when it comes to that, man, if you're someone in here who really battles with control, right, like you really, this is something you deal with. Maybe you're a, a husband who wants to control his wife, a wife who wants to mm -hmm. control her husband, um, a, a, a parent who wants to control their kids or, you know, whatever it is, right? I would encourage you to look at the scriptures because, again, our response as believers in everything from our faith is all about surrender, right? It's all about surrender, giving everything over to the Lord. You know what I'm saying? When I got married, I wanted so bad to be the perfect husband, but then I realized I'll never be the perfect husband. I'm going <laughs> to fail over and over again, right? I really am. And so I had to surrender that ridiculous mindset to the Lord, and it's helped me, yeah. you know, to, to be a husband, not out of fear of, of man, am I going to make mistakes, whatever. But again, I would just want to encourage you, if you're someone here who struggles and battles with control, you know, I want to encourage you to surrender that to the Lord. Because again, I truly believe that the life of a Christian is all, it starts with surrender. God, I'm all yours. I'm in your hands. You know what I mean? One of the things that I learned, uh, you know, as a parent, kids growing up, is if you constantly control things that are happening in your kids, uh, and, and when I say kids, I'm talking about 20-year-olds <laughs> uh, that uh, are already adults and things like that. Uh, whenever you just always control, what happens is you get in God's way of trying to be God in their life. You get that? And we need to get out of the way. But let's get into this because um, here's where fear and faith started. Uh, you talked about in your notes about an experience or, or the experience of your journey from conception to pregnancy and birth of Lucas. There was a lot of stuff that happened in there, uh, faith and fear. Uh, for people that don't know, take us through that journey. Um, I guess I'll try to c compact it in no, a little we, bit. We, we and y'all bear with me if I get a little emotional. But um, 
So basically, Trey and I got married very young. We got married at 19. Um, I did the ceremony, by the way. Yeah, he did. <laughs> um, we were 23, 24 um, when we started talking about wanting a family and uh, wanting to have children. Um, we, it was something kind of scary to us to think like, oh, we're going to we're gonna have kids, like this is, mm. it, was, it was a weird conversation to have at first because we were just so used to being us and our dogs and we would travel, get up and go whenever we wanted to, you know, and, but, you know, we, we had that, that want, you know, of having kids. And um, we tried for about a year and a half and it just wasn't happening. And we kind of tried not to get discouraged um, and we prayed about it, and I remember New Year's Eve 2017, it snowed, so we decided to stay home, and that was when we kind of, again, surrendered. You know, we prayed. I remember ringing in the New Year, praying together, Lord, if you give us a child, it's your will. If you don't, it's your will, and we're, we're going to learn to be okay with that and accept it. Um, that was in New Year's Eve, of course, and so 2018, I had an annual checkup. I went into the doctor, and um, she kind of ran some tests because I, I talked to her, you know, that we were thinking about having a family. And she ran some tests and she came back and she told me, she's like, I don't want to give you a diagnosis right now. She's like, but you're borderline uh, PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And so she's like, that would make sense why you haven't been able to get pregnant yet. And so she told me, she's like, I, I don't want to officially diagnose you, but I want you to try this. She handed me like this packet and it was a diet. Because the main reason behind that is blood sugar levels. And so she handed it to me, and I kind of was like, a diet? Like, you know? And, but she explained it to me, and I was like, that makes sense, you know? And I, went, I remember going home, and she told me, she's like, come back in two months, and if this doesn't help, change your levels. We'll, you know, talk further about other things. So I went home, and I showed it to Trey, and we kind of looked at each other and were like, dang, that's going to be hard, you know, because it was pretty much cutting out all sugar from wow. my diet. Like, really, like, and, and it's not just your, and I'm a sweets person, so that was, oh, that was man, my weakness. Was yeah, so, but it wasn't just sweets. You know, you would be so surprised that everything pretty much nowadays has sugar in it. So our grocery, like, and I told Trey, I was like, you know what? We were praying for a child. I went to the doctor. This is what she told me may not have been what I wanted to hear, but she's giving me these tools. And sometimes God gives us tools to, you know, get to where we need, we're wanting to, what he wants us to do. And so I, I saw it as that. I didn't really think of it as, man, I have to be on a diet, you know. I, I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to her and I'm going to try my best because this is what she's giving me. So our grocery trips would take 10 times longer because <laughs> <laughs> we were sitting there reading all the labels and ketchup, mustard, everything, like, had sugar in it. Certain fruits, I couldn't eat certain fruits. Wow. No cow's milk, you know, it was just everything. You know, it was a whole overhaul. And so my checkup to follow up with her was in April. This was in February, come April. Kind of just, you know, was doing the diet and everything, and I got a notification on my phone that my appointment was coming up. And that was on a Tuesday in April at the end of the month. Well. I took a test that Monday, and I was pregnant. <laughs> wow. And I kind of was like, 
does that say positive? Because I had taken tests before, and I was like, that says positive. <laughs> and I took like six tests. I remember calling into work, and I was like, I can't come in today. You know, I'm sick. Whatever. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't take sugar out of your diets, man. <laughs> it's dangerous. <laughs> so, yeah, I called the doctor. She wanted me to come in right then and there to confirm everything, to check my levels, and um, it was confirmed. I remember Trey coming home, and I told him, and we were just bawling, you know, and um, right then and there, just kept praying, and the next thing that brought a lot of fear to us was when I, she asked me, do you want to do a genetic test? It'll help you find out the gender. That was at 10 weeks, and I said, yeah, let's do it. You know, I had never, I didn't know about that, and so she's like, yeah, it's something fairly new. Um, we did it. She called me a couple of days later. She's like, so do you want to know the gender right now? And I was like, no, I'm okay. You know, you can tell us later. Um, I want it to be a surprise. She's like, okay, well, I do have to tell you about the other results. She said, you're positive. Um, you came back as a carrier for cystic fibrosis, mm. which it affects the lungs. It attacks the lungs. Um, and she said, if your husband is also a carrier, your son has a really high chance of being born with that. So right then and there, you know, I hang up the phone and just, you know, fear wants to start taking over. Because I was like, we prayed for this baby and now there's a high chance that, he's, that he could be sick. You know, he could be born really sick. Um, but Trey came home and I explained it to him and we just started praying and we're like, you know what, we're going to pray and we're going to believe that you are not a carrier and that this is not going to affect him. So he went in and did the blood work, and the results came back, and praise God, he wasn't a carrier. So we were happy for those news. Um, but then here comes the time of birth, and my water broke on New Year's Eve. He was already a week late from then. I go in, it's like 3 or 4 in the morning on the 31st. I was in labor for 25 hours. Wow. And he was, he was born on New Year's Day. Um, it, was pretty, it was pretty scary and traumatic in that moment when it, everything went down just because, I mean, we're first-time parents. It was our first, you know, time going through anything like that. Um, but with my background, I worked with kids birth through three that did have medical conditions that needed you know, intensive therapy and things like that. So I would see firsthand things that, that kids would have to you know, struggle with as babies, the therapies that they would need, um, things that would happen during birth that would affect them for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. And so he aspirated meconium, which if a lot of you uh, might not know what that means, but basically when he was he was in getting ready to be born, um, a lot of the stuff, substances went into his lungs and his heart rate was totally normal during the entire process of, you know, uh, those 25 hours pretty much like that. It went from about 120 to 60. So his heart rate was so critically low that they had to rush me to the OR and I can only imagine Trey because he had no idea really what was going on. He just knew that they were rushing me out. And in that moment, I could just remember praying because I knew exactly what had just happened. And I had worked with children that had, this had happened to them. And I, I knew what the outcome could be for him. 
And so I was just praying in that moment, you know, praying. And my entire pregnancy, I remember singing to Lucas, my God is so big, you know, so strong and so mighty. And I would sing it throughout my pregnancy. And I used that to calm me down in that moment because they're like, you know, they're running. Like there's all these nurses around me. My doctor's right there. They're pushing me down to the OR. And they had to put me under because my epidural didn't work. So I could still feel everything. Mm. And the last thing I heard was my doctor asked me, did you feel that? That was the last thing I remember hearing. And so they put me under. I remember waking up in a totally different room and Trey wasn't next to me. My baby wasn't there. You know, there was a nurse next to me and I just remember bawling and waking up and asking her, where's my husband? And she said, he's downstairs with your son in the intensive care unit. And I just was like, I need him here. And she's like, we'll go get him. We'll go get him. And I just kept praying. And I remember going in and out because, again, the anesthesia, they had to put me under. So I couldn't even breathe at times. And, you know, I was sitting there praying. And then he came to my side. And he had this video of Lucas and his eyes were wide open, alert, but he was intubated. He had all kinds of wires all over him. And so, you know, when you picture having a baby, you're like, oh, you know, you get to hold your baby. And it was totally different for us, you know. And Trey was like, he's okay. He's, he's stable. You know, he's, he's in the NICU. And so... That was in the morning. He was born like at five in the morning um, on the first. They cut him out in seven minutes. So from the time they rushed me out of that room to the OR, within seven minutes, he was out. Like if my doctor, I know God was with her. I know God had his hands over her because if she had not acted as fast as she did, he would not either. He wouldn't be here with us today or he would have had probably a lot more issues and, you know, damage to his brain, to his organs. And so... Um, yeah, that was in the morning. By the end, the end of the day, I got to walk down to meet him. And I just remember going up to him and wanting to hold him. And the doctor told me that was there. You can't pick him up. Y'all can't hold him. He's too fragile right now. All you can do is put your hands on him. And I just remember thinking to myself, This is exactly what we need to do right now, is just pray over him and just put our hands on him. Like, that's all we can do. And, you know, it was hard seeing him there, and he would look at us and, you know, respond to our voice and cry, and I couldn't pick him up to comfort him. I could only put my hands on him. And when I was preparing for this, I looked up some verses, and Proverbs 69, no, 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 where is it? I don't I didn't I thought I wrote it down but it basically talks about putting stretching out your hands and believing and speaking healing mm-hmm. and that's fear was wanting to take over me in that moment big time because I knew like what could have happened or what did happen to him and I remember asking the doctor that came to my bedside please be honest with me is he okay is he going to be okay and she, all she told me was, right now, all I can tell you is that he's stable. And so, 
you know, we went down there and we didn't get to hold him till he was three days old. Um, and I remember when we went down to meet him on the second day, one of the doctors came up to me and she told me, you know, at one point, I thought we were going to have to call a priest. She's like, but he's going to drive y'all out of here. Wow. And I just, inside, I was just like, that fear wanted to take over me. Like, my son almost died. Mm. Like, what is going to happen with him? Like, is he going to have an okay life, you know? And when she said, I'm, he's going to drive you out of here, if you know Lucas now, you know, like, I laugh about that now. <laughs> because <laughs> if you know him, like, it makes me laugh. Yeah. And so... We just kept praying over him. Everybody around us, you know, people would call and check in on us. And, you know, they're like, we're praying for y'all. We're praying for y'all. Trey and I would go up back up to the hospital room and we would just pray together. I got discharged, went home without him. And I remember being home and my dog, I have, we've had a German Shepherd for a long time. And German Shepherds are really anxious dogs. And I remember him walking around the house, mm. whimpering, going up to my stomach and whimpering. Uh, and it's like, our baby's not here, you know? And uh, that was, it was tough, you know, coming home and not having him. And that's when me and Trey just like, I feel like that brought us even closer because we would just sit there and we would just hold, hold hands and sometimes we would just cry. Like we wouldn't even say anything. But we continue to pray, continue to pray and press on and have that faith and let, and you know, not just pray but speak like you are going to heal him mm. and I know that he's going to come home things are going to be okay and at four days old I finally was able to hold him he got unhooked from the oxygen and he just continued and continued and then I remember when they told us y'all can y'all can uh, spend the night with him here in the hospital wow. and Trey gave me this little book whenever I found out I was pregnant and it's about prayers and on day seven, which was the day that we spent the first night with him, he was completely unhooked off of everything. And it's called the breath of God. And when I read that, that just, it took a whole new meaning to me, you know, because God breathes life into us. But at that point, it's like my son is breathing on his own. Wow. You know, his lungs were scarred. They were bad. They showed us the x-rays. And they're like, we won't know how this will affect him as he gets older. But we know that right now he's doing well and he can go home and he can be with y'all. And yeah, like it was, when we came home, that's when the fear kept wanting to take over. Like, is he breathing? Is he okay? You know, getting up constantly, checking on him. And we just, we continued, continued did, did to that press just on. Bring, that, that fear, did that just bring in more wanting to control things? And I'll be the first to admit it. You know, like, I was worried, you know, what if he gets sick? You know, his lungs aren't 100%. You know, the doctors told us they're not super healthy, but they're not terrible, you know. And, yeah, that fear want, constantly wanted to, to creep in. Even now, as he's older, he was finally diagnosed with allergies and borderline asthma because of all of that. Mm -hmm. And it's still, you know, I have to remember God has him. He's okay. God's, yes. God's healed him, you know, knowing that what he went through, it's like one of the leading causes for death and severe illness in, in births. And when I was looking it up, I didn't even know it only happens like in five to 10% of births. Wow. 
And, I mean, he beat, God helped him beat the odds. Amen. You know, and that he's, he, every time I look at him and when he's climbing windowsills and acting <laughs> crazy, <laughs> I remind myself, you know, he's here. God had his hands on him, on the doctors, on everybody, you know. And it's still scary to think of everything that we went through. And sometimes I still get really emotional, but I laugh at it now, like that statement, because, wow, you know, yeah. that's all I can say is God, God worked. Now, when you're going through all this, you know, you're going through all this, uh, you know, you're praying, you're, you're trying to do what you can, read and things like that. Did you have a solid relationship with God? Did you and Trey have a solid relationship with God? Where, where were you at? I like to say lukewarm. Lukewarm. Because... I was baptized in eleventh in the eleventh grade. I made that decision on my own. I never grew up religious. Uh, Trey was raised Catholic. Um, he did all his sacraments and everything his whole life. And so when we got married, we decided we wanted, you know, we wanted to have a relationship with God. We wanted to, you know, get closer and you know continue that. And it took us a while to actually start going to church, and before Lucas was born. And so, like, we were doing what we could at home. Like, we would pray, we would read our Bible, but nowhere near where we should have been. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And do you feel like uh, with all of this, do you feel, I, I know you said it brought y'all closer together. Do you feel that this also opened the door for you guys to really, like, come to God? Yes, 100%, for sure. Because it was not just, like, what we saw before us of what Lucas was like everything that happened but it's just every day you know like it's a reminder pressing into that faith and God is for you you know and not just praying and listening to worship songs it's much more than that it's a lot deeper and and it it did. It 100% brought us closer. And I'm not going to say that everything was perfect after that, you sure, know, that we, sure. it, it, it's still, I mean, up until we started coming to church here after Eliana was born, it's still, you know, we, we had a lot of, of surrendering to do, a lot more. Wow. wow. You know, this is powerful because uh, we're talking about this faith over uh, fear. And she just said something about, even today, sometimes that fear still tries to come. That's why we have to keep on pressing in faith yes. all the time. Because mm-hmm. fear has a way of checking on you. Mm-hmm. Come back, check on you, come back, check on you. And if you're weak in faith at a certain moment, fear can come back in and try to take that control again. You know. Um, and now, because of time, we're not going to be able to, 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 to get into it. But just to give people an understanding of what we'll talk about, and maybe we'll do this next month. But now, you've got, you've got your first baby. Now things, okay, things are looking better now. Uh, you, you, you know, you've got some experience in working with kids and being a parent, this and that, whatever. But you grew up in a very dysfunctional family, correct? Just, just give correct. us kind of an idea, and then we'll introduce it, and then come back and talk about it. Because... It's just, it just starting. This, this journey with Lucas is just getting started because then you go through some tough stuff, right? Some tough years. Yeah, for sure. Um, I grew up, my parents separated when I was like five. I have younger siblings. Um, my mom wasn't living the best life. 
Uh, it was not until recently that she gave her life to the Lord. Um, we were always up and down, you know. Um, I'm a first-generation Mexican-American. My dad, both my dad and my mom were born in Mexico. Um, back and forth all the time and never really had a, a strong example of not just serving the Lord, but just being a wife, being a mom. You know, a lot of that was never really something that I grew up experiencing. It was always mostly just like, take care of yourself, take care of your sisters, you know? And so that was hard also, you know, pressing through all of that and pushing myself to go to school, to finish high school. I was the first one to graduate high school in all of my immediate family. Um, first one to obtain a college degree. And so a lot of that was, I wouldn't say on my own, but you know, getting baptized in the 11th grade made the world of a difference. You know, wow. I don't know where I would be if that wouldn't have happened. Wow. So. Yeah, I met Blanca years ago before she started uh, dating my cousin uh, at a youth uh, conference or youth event or something. Mm -hmm. I went to go speak. I was a speaker there. And then later on, she met Pastor Kerry uh, through that. And Pastor Kerry didn't even know who she was or whatever. But uh, And then later on, she started, I found out she was dating my cousin. And I'm like, but what are you doing dating him? You're a believer, man. What's wrong with you? But anyway, that's another story. All right. I stayed out of that. Control. Let go. All right. Anyway. <laughs> the retired dirt bike racer. Yeah, the retired dirt bike racer. It's got a lot of history. What's so crazy, what's so crazy is, you know, he and I are cousins, but then uh, she was talking about some things about her dad and where he came from. It just so happened that her grandparents come from the same community that my wife's grandparents come from in, where's that at? Durango. Durango, Durango Mexico. Durango, Mexico. So. Small world. We're like cousins, 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 all right? So anyway. <laughs> Anyway, but it sounds weird, but yeah, it's not it weird. It doesn't get weird, okay? But anyway, uh, <laughs> any last things that you want to share concerning uh, some fears that you went through and, and how you went through faith? Because the story that, that, that goes on of, of her background is, is pretty deep, and we'll, hopefully we'll get into it next time. But uh, anything that, that reminds you, when we go through series like this, does it remind you of something that's very important that you want to encourage somebody about? the fear of being a good mom. Um, and I remember having that fear again, like you said, it visits you, you know? When I found out I was pregnant with my daughter, that fear of, am I gonna be a good mom to my daughter? I've never really, ha like, not that I didn't, but my mom, like I said, wasn't living the best life. We didn't have a relationship. It's only been about two years since I've been in contact with her again. You and lost contact with, with her when you were how old? 17. I like full off like no contact at 17 wow. but before that it was so spotty like I would see her a couple months later so you weren't raised by her no not really and so um yeah that fear you know when I found out I was gonna have a daughter <laughs> that fear wanted to and I remember crying to my husband and telling him telling Trey I'm so scared that I cannot be a good mom to my daughter and and I just, I remember praying and saying, God, please, I know you're with me. Please equip me to be a good mom to my kid, not just my son, but my daughter, and lead her to you and have her grow up to love you as well. 
And so, yeah, that fear, it, it, it'll find you when, yeah. you're, when you're weak. You know, Pastor Kerry, in doing this series, I never even thought about people having fears of being good fathers or good mothers, that it can consume them. Uh, never thought about that. You know, what a powerful, powerful subject to know. Or even when you mentioned, you know, the fear of maybe not being a good husband. I mean, it's, it's not a fear that sometimes has consumed me, so therefore, you know, I didn't even think about hearing it now. It's powerful. And I'll, I'll let you recap some stuff. No, I just want to one of the biggest things I take away from your testimony, from you and Trey's testimony, is this, that all of us can learn to apply to our everyday life, is that when they were faced with a situation that really fear could have overtaken them and controlled their lives. I'm a firm believer that first words matter. And if you notice in their story, every time something came against them, the first thing they did was they got together and prayed as a couple. They got together and they prayed as a couple. Wow. Whether it was when they found out they were pregnant, whether it was when they got news, whether it was when they were in the hospital, they got together and they prayed. See, that's so, so important, y'all. First words matter. They really, really do. How you respond immediately, I truly believe, matters. You hold on to that promise. That's what I love Hebrews 10, 20, 1023. It says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Hold fast without wavering. Like hold fast without waving. That's one thing I love about their story is that with all the events, everything, all the news. You remember that song, Clues Report? Will you believe? Mm. Man, it's old school, right? We shall believe the report of the Lord, right? That's one thing I love about their story. When they were told that we were going to have to get a priest in here, that it's not that fear wasn't trying to get to them, but that they first words mattered. They held on without wavering the promise that God had given them, and they began to pray together. And so, like, there's so much right there. You know what I'm saying? And so I just want to encourage y'all just from, from their story. Man, first words matter. When you find yourself in a situation where, you know, fear is trying to overtake y'all or a situation is trying to come against y'all, the first words matter. Yes. Respond in faith. Hold fast without wavering to the promises of God. Okay, it may not look, may not make sense right then in the moment. It may look blurry. It may look uncertain, but... Hold fast without wavering. Hold fast without wavering. You know what I mean? Hey, you know, as we get back, uh, maybe in November, because we're, we're, we're going to be talking about level up, um, going from faith to faith, we're going to talk hopefully in depth about now your experience with you have kids, but now chaos is happening with your past, right? And then you fall into a depression. Just so many things happen, and we're going to talk about how God brought you out of that. And so we're going to talk about that because it's, it's deep. But how many of you are blessed tonight? Amen. Amen. So when you see this uh, little boy running around, ain't nothing wrong with him. Number one. Number two, always, when you see him, say, that's a miracle right there. That's a miracle. And now you know why they're so grateful and they're so happy. Um, I just want to say something really quick. Amen. Before we even knew we were having a boy or a girl, we had picked names and we love the name Lucas and Lucas means bringer of light and his middle name is Daniel and when I remember bringing him home all I could think was Daniel in the lion's den wow. you know like that was meant to destroy him and it you know like look at him running around and 
Yeah, so I just wanted to say that and end with that. <laughs> I just want to say, too, you know, as a church, let's believe and confess Psalms 91 over Lucas's life and body. Yes. Yes. If you've never read Psalms 91, I encourage you, first of all, to be praying that over yourself, your family members. But let's join together. I mean, just the portions. Verse 6. Do not dread the diseases that stalk in darkness, nor the disaster that strike in midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are driving around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If, the, if you make the Lord your refuge, he will make, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil, evil will conquer you and no plague will come near your home. Amen. Praise God. For those of you watching the uh, podcast or listening to the podcast, we're going to keep on going here as a church. But uh, we uh, can't wait to uh, get with you uh, on the following podcast. God bless. Whew, praise God for that. Amen. What a powerful, powerful testimony. Amen. And. Uh...